everybody. So this is my first guest on the podcast. This is a good friend of mine, somebody who I was, who I kind of look up to as a as a mentor. His name is you know Vasi Prokoyev. He's a basketball and sports performance coach from Russia. He consults professional players and teams in Russia and China. He's had stints playing professionally in Belarus, Mexico, Ecuador before he started training players full time. As of right now, he is currently in his third season as a personal coach for 2016 EuroLeague champion Aaron Jackson. So I want everybody to understand this guy's the real deal. Um, you know, we'll give his social media at the end so that people can follow him. But he's training players like Demetrius Jackson, Jackson, uh, Notre Dame professional basketball player. He's been with Cannon Baker, so he's been all over the all over the place. He's one of the kindest people I've ever met. He's extremely extremely intelligent. So. Welcome, Bassy. Thank you for uh, joining the show. Thank you, Xavier. I wouldn't think that my resume would sound that cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. You sent it to me, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh man, I did, I had no idea. I was some of this stuff. So uh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate you coming out to share some of your knowledge and wisdom. So one thing, kind of wanted to let you kind of you know shine a little bit. So how did you become a basketball sports performance coach? Well, first, it all started that when I started playing basketball at 13, I already knew at that time that I wanted to be a professional player. Mm -hmm. And as the years, uh, as I turned like 19 and I had my first serious injury, I had ACL tear. And so Mm -hmm. I had to do surgery. And at that time, there was nobody near me who could help me with the rehab. So my Mm -hmm. rehab uh, took two years from ACL surgery and you can imagine mm-hmm. it where now people need maybe five, six months to get the rehab. Right. And so at that time I already knew that if nobody can help me, it's at least it should be me where uh, I study and I find the ways how I can help myself to get healthier and mm-hmm. not to get injured later in my career. And so after, after that when I missed two years of playing in Russia and it was already, I was 19, 20, I knew that mm-hmm. would be hard for me. That would be hard for 5'10", 5'11", guy who didn't play for two years to mm-hmm. get and play some even minor leagues in Russia. And so mm-hmm. at that time, I knew that the only option that I had was uh, to go to States and play college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for three years in the States, I was in different colleges. I was in Mason Community College, Tacoma Community College, uh, Houston Tennessee University in Austin. And all those three schools, I wanted to choose a major that I would really like. Because mm-hmm. before I went to college in the States, I already graduated from university in Russia with a major of world economics. And it was mm-hmm. economics of late American countries. So I studied English and Spanish both both languages, and uh, the thing that I found out was through five years of university in Russia, uh, the only useful thing that I had was just Spanish, just the languages. (laughs) And so after I graduated and got my diploma, I was thinking, wow, I don't think that I'll even use it. And so when I was choosing a major in States, I wanted it to be something that in 10 years I can say, oh, yeah, that was useful. <laughs> and right. So this is how I chose the major uh, kinesiology and exercise science. Mm-hmm. And how I felt was even though I go and play professionally, let's say the strength coach 
maybe doesn't have enough time for me or mm-hmm. maybe I want to do something extra for myself. I knew mm-hmm. if I have a knowledge, I'll be able to help myself no matter where I go and play, if that's really right. high level or if that's low level. And so my first year in college, uh, I got a student assistant job in Mason Community College. Mm-hmm. And every year that I was in school, I was always trying to either volunteer or get student assistant job when I was not playing. And so through all three years in college, I was able to get some experience. When I was at TCC, I would drive to University of Washington and just shadow and help if there is any help needed with Daniel, to Daniel Shapiro who's currently the head strength coach for Los Angeles Clippers. Mm-hmm. And just I just used every opportunity for myself to learn. And then after three years of college, I decided that probably that's the time for me to go and play professionally. Right. And then there were Belarus, Mexico, and Ecuador. Uh, but the thing with coaching, uh, it all started even when I was playing because when I wanted to go to States, I knew that in Russia there were not that many camps where professional players come and do maybe three-day camps for kids in their city. Mm -hmm. I saw it happen very often in States where NBA players come to uh, to their city and just train kids for three days. Just kind of, they are examples for all the all the younger generations and Mm -hmm. so I kind of used that example for myself and so after my freshman year in college that was back in 2013 at that time I did my first just kind of like you can say clinic just for it was for youth girls team in Moscow Mm-hmm. And after that, it just started going. So every summer I was in Russia, I tried to do either either a short clinic or a camp in just 2013, 14. And by 2015, that was the first year where I had my first professional player that I worked with. Mm-hmm. And by the time I stopped playing in Ecuador, that was November 2016, and I came back uh, to Russia. Uh, at that time, I already had a player who reached out to me, and he was rehabbing after ACL surgery, and so he asked me if I can be with him and help him with the rehab. So mm-hmm. that was kind of like the turning point. At that at that moment, I knew that I want to still keep playing, but at the same time, that's after I stopped playing, that's what I was going to be doing, working with the basketball players on the court and also mm-hmm. in the weight room if that's needed. Wow, that's you know some of that some of that story, which is crazy. I know we've had our conversations. I didn't, actually didn't even. I don't think I don't remember you telling me you were in uh, in Washington and all these places. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you say you telling me you were over here and you were uh, you know in college and stuff, but I had no idea. So that's to me, you know, it's it's actually pretty funny where I hear you know stories of people getting into you know their you know their passion and things like that. It kind of comes from like a necessity. So it kind of came from you trying to understand you know, how to take care of yourself. Um, and then that's when you kind of started getting into it. And then, you know, obviously you always, you were always around basketball and just kind of developed from there, but that's, that's mm-hmm. amazing. And, and uh, what was the, so what was the process like as far as, you know, you kind of told, you know, the story of where you are now, but 
what was kind of the process like of, of learning and, you know, kind of like the, the dirty work that nobody really sees, you know, everyone sees the success, you know, oh, you have these professional players, but what were the times like when, you know, things weren't as, as glamorous, like when you had to stay up all night and things like that? I mean, I'm still up all night sometimes. <laughs> just, it doesn't stop. I, uh, I don't look at it as something not glamorous. It's just to mm-hmm. me. To me, it's all joy because you have mm-hmm. you have a chance to influence players and to influence them, not only on the basketball court but even outside. Was more importantly. Mm-hmm. And that's. I'm just trying to think how to better answer your question. Uh, I didn't have. I knew that I would work with professional players at the point, but I was not desperate that I wanted right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, I tried to see myself where. I'm in a situation where I can help at least somebody and where I can inspire somebody. Uh, when when I just went to States, I started a blog on a uh, Russian basketball website. And the goal of the okay. blog was the same thing, just to inspire people and show the example that this is how I went to States. This is how you can do it. Because when I was 17, I thought going to States to college, that's unreal. That's just right. There's no way it's happening, and so I feel like um, my main intention was to find somebody who can use me and to find uh, the ways I can I can ex- inspire a person, and that ends right. up the same way like you came last summer to watch our workouts with Aaron. Mm-hmm. I just I just saw you messaging me, and I'm thinking, hmm, if he comes here, if he if after this one day or after these three hours, it will affect his just his future, just the way he thinks, mm-hmm. that would be a big win for me. And so right. that's how I see it. It was just my intent of uh, inspiring somebody else. It all mm-hmm. led to what I have now. Yeah, and I'll and I'll I'll be the first one to say that. Just that you messaging me, messaging me back. It's funny because I reached out to you and I'm thinking, ah, oh, man, this guy, he's big time. He's not going to answer me. And then, you know, you got back to me and I was just, you know, I was kind of shocked. And, um, you know, it's like you said, it did help me a lot because even our conversation where you told me it's not about, you know, if you're doing it for the money, you're not, you know, you're not really going to be fulfilled and you're not going to, you know, really help it, anyone, inspire anyone. Mm-hmm. And I really took that. I really took that to heart. I saw that as wow, okay, well, maybe I need to rethink and retool this. And once I started doing it, you know, for the love and the passion that I had, that's when things really started changing for me. So even just that simple conversation, I mean, you did exactly what you wanted to do. So you're always someone that I look to as far as like, you know, having this this different perspective is it's not really about the money. If it comes cool, by the end of the day, it's about what you can do for others, you know, mm-hmm. if you could change, if you could change one life, then that's like you said, that's a win. That's what we want. Yeah. But don't get me wrong. Like money, uh, you have, to have <laughs> you have to be paid. <laughs> Otherwise there, you won't have anything to live on. <laughs> right. It's just, if this can be, if you can look at it as just as a bonus, that would be, mm-hmm. that would be, that would be great. It's the same thing that I'm doing now with all the players. If, um, let's say three years ago, I would do it all for free, just for food. I would be happy. Wow. And that's, yeah, even, that's... even now the main thing that I'm trying to, uh, to do every year is to find maybe 
two players who are aspiring young players or somebody who mm, kind of like underrated where mm-hmm. people don't pay much attention to them. But I see mm-hmm. that those players are really trying and they, they really want to achieve the goal. I would just right. message them by myself and just say that I'm I'm willing to help and I don't need no money for it. And you can imagine how how they look at me like, what? <laughs> what are you trying to do? <laughs> they they probably think you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, they're like, what's? Hmm. They there there's got to be something. You know, there's a catch. Just, just, <laughs> no. <laughs> got you. So when you when you do get a new player, uh, speaking of that, mm-hmm. what's kind of the process that you kind of go on or, or that you kind of go with? Um, you know, how do you kind of plan for them? How do you build kind of like a profile? Like, if I were a new player coming to you, how would you go about maybe evaluating and then kind of building a, a plan for the off season? Uh, first thing, I want to talk to you and ask um, ask questions. The main questions are: What do you think your strengths, weaknesses are? Uh, mm-hmm. Where you see yourself in two years? Where, if you, let's say you're 16, I would ask where you see yourself in five years, or mm-hmm. let's say you're 31, and I'll just ask where where you want to be in one two years. So just mm-hmm. get in a perspective where you see yourself. So that's three. Uh, then I would want to know what was the hardest thing for you on a court, uh, and was mm-hmm. the easiest one. Uh, one, one, two things that you would want to add and then prioritize them. Let's say, tell me three things that you want to improve or three things that you haven't been doing in your career, but you want to start doing it in three months. What that would be and how would you rate them? Which one will be number one? Which one will be number two and number three? Okay. Uh, what are the people that you look at? The reason why I'm asking what are the people you look at is when I'm mm-hmm. creating a video for a player, I know mm-hmm. let's say let's say you're you want to be like Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm getting examples uh, or just some different situations on the court, I know that if in the video I'll have Anthony Davis, it will be it will affect you more rather than if I have somebody, let's say Tiago Splitter. Right. Because you'll be, oh, who's Tiago Splitter? <laughs> and then when you see Anthony Davis, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Anthony Davis. I want to do like him. Right. And <laughs> these are the main questions that I would ask a person. And depending uh, if I know when we meet with him, I may just message them in advance, uh, mm-hmm. ask him to write them down for me. And then when we meet, we'll just go, go over things. Mm-hmm. And the same questions that I'm asking a player, I will ask myself about this player. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I'm asking a player if there is any coach who coached you in the previous season whom I can talk to. And right. pretty much I'll ask just simple things about strengths, weaknesses, what the player could improve, where do you think he can be, what's his, what's his limit, what's his upper limit and what's his lower limit. Just something right. about the game, uh, something about his confidence. And so basically what I'll have by the end before we even touch the court, I have player's opinion, I have my own opinion, and I have coach's opinion. Mm-hmm. And all these three combined, we're just trying to summarize it and cut it down to priorities. 
And so basically you have, you can say like a player's map where you don't need, you don't need to guess. You can just look at it and you understand what player needs and what we should work on and what a player would love to do more mm-hmm. and just go from there. So that's, that's number one. After that, I would watch the game. And with the games, I would add. I would ask the player, "What would be the best game that you had in the previous season? Mm-hmm. And what would be the game that that you felt that you should just stop playing basketball?" These <laughs> will be like my two main things that I would ask about the games. If I mm-hmm. watch them and I still want more, um, I won't ask a player again about the games because there will be too many questions. He may think. Man, he's asking me a million questions before we even do something. <laughs> at this point, I would just look at stats and see at what games uh, a player had very low percentage. For example, he shot nine times. He made only two shots. I would mm-hmm. want to watch this game. And then I see at the turnovers and I see at the free throw percentage. So if turnovers are high and free throw percentage is low, that's the game that I'm watching. Just because I want okay. to know why why he's missing, why he's turning the ball over. Okay. And so based on that, based on that, I'll have a couple of the clips. And first week we're working out with the player. He'll have all that. He will have a lot. <laughs> He'll have to, <laughs> a lot to watch. <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's very detailed. And I like that. I like what you did as far as getting all the opinions. Cause not only are you getting, you know, obviously your opinion and the coach's opinion, but you're also getting the player's opinion because I think um, self, like knowing yourself is very important. And, uh, you know, a player, I think every player should understand their strengths and weaknesses. So um, I think that's that's huge. You're getting all three perspectives and then you're kind of help painting that picture along with the film. So that way it's not just like you said, it's just like you just you or the coach. There are players also having an input saying, hey, these are things I feel like I, I'm weak at or I'm strong at. And then um, obviously you have the clips. You can kind of help back that up as well. But, no, that's that's very detailed. Mm-hmm. And that's I think that's it's better because you'll have players that kind of will maybe go out and reach out to, to trainers, and they may just kind of have them come in and just kind of go through like almost like a cookie-cutter workout. But you're uh-huh. really breaking it down. You're really seeing what their, what their strengths are, what the weaknesses are, getting the opinions to help build a really specific program for that player. And then ask, maybe I'll ask, uh, that will be the answer to one of your next questions. But mm-hmm. one, uh, the good thing about you talking to the coach, uh, it also kind of builds trust where coach understands that you're not just that type of person who will be saying, oh, you need to shoot more. Oh, don't listen to mm-hmm. the coach. Because at the end of the day, uh, if I'm working with a player individually, my job is to help the player. Uh, right, be more effective within somebody's system. So I'm not controlling his playing time. And if I'm doing something against the system, it just hurts the player. Right. It, like it, just, like, it doesn't make sense to, like you said, to, to train a player a certain way against mm-hmm. the system. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You know, if you have you know, they're training James Harden, you know, which is ISO heavy, and then you put him in the Spurs offense, it's not going to fit, right? Mm-hmm. Off the, you know, yeah, like ball that. movement. So it's like, that's that's actually really very insightful. That, was, that actually was going to be the next question. So mm-hmm. you actually did predict that. 
So as talk, talking about training, what are some what do you feel like are some common mistakes? So let's say a player doesn't have a trainer, don't have access to that resource. What are some common mistakes you see players make when they're training on their own? Uh, I would say if we're going back to the questions that I asked the players, mm-hmm. um, number one thing is when you ask what's, what you think, what's your strongest part in the person's mm-hmm. driving? And you ask, mm-hmm. okay, what driving? Driving left, driving right, attacking the closeouts, driving in the ISO play, uh, just players uh, don't – there are a lot of players who don't um, – they can't see it in general that, yeah, I'm good at driving. But they Bro, cannot, okay. they cannot uh, recognize if they're good at driving after the screen, if they're good driving just oh. after, after a closeout. So they don't, they don't see at the details. They just look at driving as a whole. And then we can okay. do the same with shooting. And so if you can, if you know that you're good driving left after the screen, but you cannot create for yourself driving left, maybe if that's one of your priorities, maybe you should spend more time on thinking how you can get those drives left where you don't, where you don't have a screen. So I would say number one thing is uh, thinking more general Mm-hmm. Rather than finding specifics that they can improve, uh, that's that's number one thing that uh, I see when players work out by themselves. Right. Uh, number two, probably always go in high intensity. Something like okay. you know when they say it's not game speed. I fully agree with that. That if you want to make shots in a game. It has to be game speed. But mm-hmm. because a person always goes fast, sometimes uh, sometimes details just – you just don't see the details. For example, if you're not good uh, shooter off the dribble mm-hmm. and you cannot – you're always going fast, but you feel that shooting off the dribble, something is wrong, then probably by the time you stop and pick up the ball, maybe you're have uh, – not comfortable hand placements on the ball or your mm-hmm. feet are not balanced. And when you're always going fast, it's hard for you to see it. So that's another, I wouldn't say mistake. It's just one thing that can get you, uh, that can make you more efficient is mm-hmm. sometimes if you slow down, you'll be able to see the details. Right. And it's I, I 100% agree, especially when it comes to you know, like you said, even with the, the driving example, they'll say, oh, I'm good at driving. Like, is okay, well, there, there are parts of driving. It's not just one mm-hmm. one big piece. There are little pieces to the puzzle. You know, like you say, attacking the closeout, driving left, right. And I, like you said, players don't – I don't think players really re- recognize that. And uh, I think it just goes back to kind of like self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like, like helping, especially with a trainer like you, you know, a coach like you who can actually sit down and explain these things, I think that'll help them. I just think, uh, personally, I think a lot of the times when it comes to, to younger players, they may not have that understanding because they just don't know, right? Mm-hmm. They just, you know, especially with the conversations I hear with high school players, they'll just say, oh, yeah, drive. And it's like, you say, like, or a shooting. It's like, well, what kind of shit? Shoot off the dribble, shooting right, coming off the uh, screen, things like that. There's there's so many details, like you said, that they're not really recognizing and they're not really being self-aware about. Yep, Exactly.
And uh, and one thing, you know, so we talked about players. What do you think some what do you think are some common things that trainers may be doing or coaches may be doing that you feel like aren't helping players be be more effective? Mm-hmm. I don't, want... you don't have to call anybody. You don't have to call anybody out mm-hmm. specifically, but you know, maybe something that you see that you you know, it's obviously it's an opinion, but maybe you feel like that's not necessarily helping a player, or you feel like maybe kind of going against uh, what could really be helping him out or her out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the good thing uh, that they taught us at DBC Level 1 certification was um, never criticize anybody because you don't know why the person does something. And okay. at what point, uh, maybe... Um, let's say number one thing that I wouldn't do is just to work out to make the player tired. Okay. But if the goal is his conditioning, then that's where you go with. <laughs> that's that's your goal. Right. So right. it's hard for me to say what, what people do wrong or what I would do differently. But mm, the main pr- principle I would follow is how you can be the most effective on the court uh, without spending as much energy as you can. Mm. So, so being okay, like being like like efficient with their moves mm-hmm. and things yes. like that. How can we call it like energy saving mode? And so, mm-hmm. how can you be the most effective in energy saving mode? And the example I always have is James Harden. Like mm-hmm. you know. There are a lot of people saying that he doesn't play defense, but at some point he can he can still get about two two steals per game, and so I mm-hmm. just remember uh, when I was studying one of the Rockets games, and there were there was about two possessions on offense and on defense, and James Harden jogged on offense. It was kind of like you could see that he's kind of resting. He got a ball. Mm-hmm. He did something. I would say, like, high intensity for about five seconds. He jogged back on defense. He was on the help side. He was, again, kind of resting. Then he saw mm-hmm. the ball coming on his side. He went a little bit faster, got a steal, sprinted on offense, fast break. And so at that point, that's just a perfect example for me where you're in energy-saving mode, so you're not always going fast. There are still times where you're saving the energy. And so, if within the workout you can teach a player how you can set, how he can save the energy, that would be great because mm-hmm. by the end of by fourth quarter, when most of the people are tired, you'll be feeling fresh. Right, and I love how you, I love how you pointed that out. Even the James Harden was someone who's so like basically is the entire offense almost. You know, he's got to figure out. He got to almost pick his spots. You know, obviously he's carrying the load of offense, but even on defense, he is. He is a good defender, but like you said, he has to be efficient. You know, he can't go uh, 100% on offense and then have nothing for defense and vice versa, or even Kawhi Leonard, who is, you know, a two-way player. But, you know, it's if you go too hard on one end, then you're not really going to be effective on the other end. So it's almost like balancing out. But mm-hmm. like you do, especially the, the fourth quarter, you have to be, you know, basically you have to be available. You know, you can't be tired or, you know, on the bench or anything because, like you said, you're not going to be effective. You're not going to be efficient. So that is that is that is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm so actually you... looking it up now. James Harden two steals per game <laughs> last season, career high. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think he's he's he is underrated as a as a defender. You know, a lot of people like to make jokes. Like you see the memes, you see the the you know the videos of mm-hmm. you know it's like almost like Ole defense where he just kind of. But you know, he at the end of the day, he still is getting those so steals steals the game and almost Alan, like almost like Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was you know he was undersized, but you know he was good at picking his spots and you know uh, getting some steals. But I just think, like you said you just have to be effective in the way that you play. And it depends on your role on the team. Mm-hmm. If you're just a, a three and D player, you know, like PJ Tucker, you run in that corner. All right. You're hitting that three, but then you still have that energy to, to go on defense and, and try to lock up and get rebounds. But it's just, I think it, it depends on your role too. Mm-hmm. Yep. I agree with that. All right. So and what I do you, what do you think about? Yeah, go for it. Oh no, go ahead. And I was I was gonna say that I'm not gonna say anything about Allen Iverson defense because I didn't study it, so I don't mm. want just to give an opinion without knowing the clear picture. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's another thing. Like if you ask me uh, what some trainers do wrong, mm-hmm. that's the same thing. I cannot criticize if I don't know the whole picture. That's beautiful. I love that because yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of times, you know, we all have our own perspectives, you know, in life, training, whatever. And like you said, sometimes we offer an opinion without really getting a, pay- a painting a picture, especially social media. We only see 45 seconds at the most unless uh-huh, you're on IGTV. Yep. So we don't see the entire workout. We don't see the planning. We don't context is everything. So we don't exactly. have that. How can we really offer an opinion? Um, so I really I respect that. I respect that. I like that you answered that. That's I might have to get rid of that question, but uh, yeah. So what I wanted to ask you is, what do you believe personally? And this may obviously vary from player to player, but if you had to pick one, what's the most important skill you believe for a younger player to begin learning? Shooting. Shooting. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the more more points you score, your team scores, you win. And mm-hmm. this is how basketball is played now. Even even bigs have to shoot. Right. If you cannot shoot, you can't you can't spread the floor. And so no mm-hmm. matter if you're point guard or if you're center, you have to be able to shoot the ball. And right. so that's, I, that's number one I agree. that I will focus on. I agree. I, I think that's definitely, especially with the way the NBA is going. I mean, yeah, if you can't shoot, if you're not, a, like you said, even big men, they're, they have to have – some type of jump shot in order to be effective in, in whatever offense they're playing. And it's, I hear that a lot often too. So like, that's one thing I definitely want to ask you to kind of put it on record is like, Hey, look, this is, this guy's been working with professional athletes, you know, all across the board mm-hmm. and you've been doing this for years and you know, you're saying it as well. So it's not even just like, you're kind of hearing it from like, the, you know, obviously like the talking heads of the NBA, Oh, he has to shoot. His trainer, no, no, this is actually important that the way the NBA is going, we, and, all of basketball shooting is it's, it's important it's critical <laughs> yeah i would say that that um if you're not a great shooter defense is the quality that will give you minutes mm-hmm. but if you look at just as a technique let's say you're you've been shooting the basketball for seven years and your mechanics mm-hmm. were not correct let's say so mm-hmm. After seven years, it's it's really hard for you to change the mechanics. It's it's time consuming and energy consuming. Uh, right. Rather than if for seven years you didn't know how to play defense, but you tried to, 
And then in seven years, uh, your coach starts to teach you how to play on-ball defense, how uh, how you should just read the rotations, how you should play help side defense. Uh, in seven years, defense is much easier to fix rather than your shooting form. And so right. if from the beginning, you can spend more time on shooting, having good mechanics, in the long-term perspective, that will pay off. Right. No, I totally agree. So what do you feel like, what do you feel like, and like you said, this can be subjective, but what do you personally believe that players are, are working on that may not necessarily uh, help them be more effective on the court? What do you feel like is maybe overrated? Hmm. I would say overrated, maybe. And that's, again, depending on your goal. Uh, mm-hmm. For example, in Russia, I see a lot of pro players that just like shooting from the spots mm-hmm. and so they just they they can just make 100 shots 100 threes you make 20 from the corner 20 from the wing top wing and corner and you mm-hmm. go home um good thing at least you get volume mm-hmm. but one thing is even though it's just a spot up shooting you don't you don't focus on anything for example, if you can, if you want to use your time more efficiently, you can focus on your footwork, even though it's just spot up. Let's say you're comfortable stopping left, right, and you're totally not comfortable stopping right, left. Then how about when you do the spot up shooting, you can do half with left, right stop and half with right, left stop, or, right. or the turn. Just adding, adding some small details to spot up shooting will make you much more effective. And so from what I see, Russia and China is the same way. Uh, volume is there. I see that volume is more important rather than the quality. So if you're shooting 100 shots or 100 makes mm-hmm. and you don't, you don't even focus on the details. So if you can be a little different where you focus on all the details of those 100 makes, they'll make you even more efficient. And even though you don't need to focus necessarily on the footwork, on your hand placement, let's say you mm-hmm. only need to make 50, and all of them should be all net without touching the rim. So mm. if you have that, you already are more focused. That's one. The basket feels smaller for you because right. if it touches the rim, it doesn't count. And then when in the game you have no, there are no limitations, the basket looking big again. And that's one right. of the things that we use with the players. Uh, so for the last two years, every June, I do train in my hometown where professional players from Russia come and work with me. And we have, at the end of the practice, that's the must. We do uh, 50 shots from free throw line, and you count how many shots were all net. And if a player comes mm-hmm. for 10 days, we just, every day we track it, we write it down, and then you show him day one, your, you shot 50, you missed 10, just missed, didn't even make a shot. And so, mm-hmm. missed 10, and about 10 or 11 all net. And then by the right. 10th day, the number are the numbers are getting much uh, much more different. For example... Uh, one of the bigs that I had this year, he was a candidate for Russian. Years ago, 
I believe he's about 60% free throw shooter uh, career. And mm-hmm. so day one, he shot 50. I think he missed about maybe 10, maybe 15. I'm not going to mm-hmm. lie. And all net were, I think, only nine shots or something like that. And then day seven, I'm asking him, how many did you shot? He's like, 50. And I'm like, how many did you make? And he's like, 50. I'm like, wait, how many did you make? <laughs> he's like, 50. I'm like, you joking or what? He's like, no, 50. And I'm asking how many were all nets? And he's saying thir- 23. And I have a system with him. I'm asking him, are you guys cheating or what? <laughs> and they're like, no, it's just that's how it was. <laughs> and so this was simple. We didn't change. Uh, I mean, we changed some some mechanics. Uh, mm-hmm. But within a week, uh, that's to me, that's drastic where a player can make 50 in a row. And he's 60% free throw shooter. But right. the main thing that we focused on is him making it all net. Right, and that's like the, like you said the little details. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. That's a big that's a big turnaround, especially. Yes. <laughs> said, Are you cheating? <laughs> awesome, man. So, all right, last question. I know you're a busy busy man. I know you got some uh, some stuff you want to take care of today. So, no, we good. So we, I, good. we still have about fifteen minutes. That's for sure. Okay, awesome. So. Okay, cool. So another question I actually did want to ask you is how should players watch film, right? It's a, such a big thing. I mean, obviously, like, that's kind of maybe that's a general question, but what are maybe some specific things or you know, maybe two or three things that a player, when they're watching film, that they can do that can help them uh, increase their own IQ, like, become, you know, increase their awareness? What are maybe two or three things that you would point out to a player to look at when they're watching film, you know, whether it's, yeah, of themselves or maybe another player. Hmm. If that's of themselves, number one thing I would say is use your imagination. Mm-hmm. For example, if you see that you're not doing something right, pause and think, what would you do to make this play be better? It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that you would do something to open up and get a point. It's just, what what would you have where you would have to move or what your spacing should be. Just think what actions you need to take in order for for the game flow to be uh, more efficient. That's number one thing. Mm-hmm. Think. Number two, imagine it. <laughs> so literally close, <laughs> close your eyes and imagine it. And I would say that's the biggest one uh, because uh, I remember when when I was playing in Belarus, Belarus was, was terrible. I was averaging one point a game. It was bad. It was right. bad. And at that point, when I was watching the film, I was always stressed out. I didn't know what to do. And only by the time when I got to Mexico, uh, Mexico was a regional league. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I would say, kind of like a semi-pro. Uh, so in Mexico, I was averaging 21 points a game. So within three months going from one point to 21 that was a big difference statistically but the wow. main thing yeah, that I thought was was not that I got so much better it was just uh, I learned one how to slow down just slow down my mind and two mm-hmm. I learned how to visualize things when I'm watching the video or it can be even visualizing outside of basketball 
uh, I started reading a psychology book. I don't remember the name of it. I just, mm-hmm. at that time, I knew I needed to do something with psychology. And so uh, I just Googled the top books for athletes, top psychology books for athletes. And there mm-hmm. was one, I think it was published in 1994, something like that. It was a really old book. Mm-hmm. And I was doing the exercises from the book. And one exercise, it was crazy, but I can't remember it just like now. Uh, I was lying down in bed reading a book and the exercise is put the book on the side and then well, get off the bed go to window mm-hmm. watch uh watch what's out see what's outside then go back to bed and then get the book in your hands and then close your eyes and do the same thing without moving and so for wow. myself, I was doing I was thinking what really <laughs> And when I tried it, it was really not that easy for me to do. But then as the I tried it once, I tried it on the next day, and I kept doing it for a week, I saw how it just it just felt easier for me to visualize. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it all transferred to the court at the point where uh, I'm watching the film. I see, oh, okay, here I need to do this cut, or here I need to do curl. Here, I need to do this. And when the game comes, kind of like a deja vu for me where right. where I have a mental feeling where, oh, I've already been here. Even though it never happened in reality, it only happened just in my mind. But if you can, if you're as an athlete, if you can understand that your mind is such a crazy tool that you can use, that would be so much easier for you. Right, and I think a, I think a lot of um, a lot of players don't really re- recognize that the mental aspect of it is is critical. You know, I think a lot of times, and especially you know, that's something that I'm trying to get more into is how can we how can we take you know the, the psychological part of it, and how can we improve that? Mm-hmm. And like you said, even just through imagination, like it, like you know, picturing yourself in the position before you even get there. You know that's that's a huge part, and that's something that um that I, even I've been trying to implement with myself. You know mm-hmm. some of the things that that I've been doing recently. You know, it's crazy, but I I imagine this. You know, I imagine myself doing some of these things, working with some of these players, and then you know over time, I think subconsciously, my like you said, you train the conscious mind to believe, uh, to believe subconsciously what you're telling itself. So I would always think of myself. I would train these players. I would work with these players, and eventually it happened because subconsciously I would try to make these things happen. And mm-hmm. same thing with basketball yep. players. Like you have to imagine yourself consciously doing these things. That way subconsciously you'll begin to really truly believe these things and then you'll put them out into the world. So that's huge, man. Uh, exactly. I, you, don't, you don't remember that, the book though. You don't remember the book. So I was going to ask you what book it was. <laughs> um, I'll need to, I'll need to find it, but. Awesome, man. So you have someone, let's say someone who's brand new, uh, never trained before in their life or has trained anyone before. What are some resources that you would probably, uh, I guess you would recommend to someone who wants to tr- be a trainer and coach like you? I would say, well, first of all, I don't think I accomplished something special. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> You're I would humble. say num- number, number one thing is just find somebody uh, who who's willing to help you 
with learning, mm-hmm. who kind of be your mentor. Mm-hmm. So find a mentor. That's number one thing. That's for sure. That's the most important one. Number two, uh, if you can find a player who has been a veteran, who has been playing for five or ten years, who has who has the knowledge of the game and mm-hmm. has big big playing experience, that player can help you with understanding the basketball. It's the mm-hmm. same the same as even though I'm working with Aaron for a third year, there are times where it's me learning from him. I have the practice structure. Mm-hmm. We go through things, and then at some point, I'm asking him, okay, wait, we're playing off the screen here. If I'm standing here, where do you think this guy will be? And what if this, uh, for example, there were uh, games in China where where the opposing team big will be Brandon Bass? And I'll mm. be just like, where would it be if it is Brandon Bass? Or where would it be that's a different player? Just getting uh, perspective from a player who has 10 plus years of experience on a high level. Mm-hmm. This is this is huge. Right. And no, that, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And then as far as the resources, um, one one person that I would recommend is obviously one of my mentors, Gannon Baker. Um, mm-hmm. He does. Uh, he has... Online, free online mem- mentorship or something like that mm-hmm. and so he he regularly sends some articles so this is number one thing that I would look at uh, number two online even though I don't like saying learn from YouTube <laughs> <laughs> but uh, FIBA has FIBA has a lot of clinics online okay. where high level coaches teach and just show different concepts of basketball that's number two thing that i would look at but getting a mentor will be more important than all of that because you're basically finding a person who uh who maybe already achieved the same goals that you're trying to achieve right so he can at least point you in the right direction right no i think that's really that's so huge because even um Especially, I think it's important coming, you know, from someone who's who's been there with you, you know, who's been who's been training and coaching for years. It's important to even say that you have a mentor, and I think that's so important. I think all the best coaches, uh, trainers, things like that, they still have people that they look up to and that they, you know, consult with. And um, you know, we don't we don't ever do any of this by ourselves, right? <laughs> we always yep. have we always have someone that helps us. We always have, we always have questions, and like you said, we're always trying to learn. So I think that's that's always really important, especially um, even some of the resources you gave. Like I, I'm gonna go back and look at those because, like I said, I'm still trying to learn. So, you know, I think it's important to make sure we give back and for people to understand that we're still learning ourselves. Yes, it is. Doesn't matter if you're 20, 30, 40, 50. If you don't get better, you get worse, and that's not only for it doesn't go only for players. It's the same way for coaches. Right. Like, it's always, as a nonstop, I think people think, like, I hate when people say maintain. I don't really, to me, that doesn't really exist. It's always, you're getting better, you have to get worse, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's no staying the same. It's, if you got to win the day, how do we improve today? And go from there. Fully, fully agree with that. 
and then one of the one of the principles that I'm trying to follow is uh, by the end of, by the end of the day you can just sit for a couple minutes and think what what did you do today uh, that mm-hmm. help you that got you closer towards your end goal and so just just spending a couple of minutes thinking doesn't matter where you may be brushed riding the bicycle or doing whatever but you thinking about it if you know that today you did nothing you won't feel good if you're really if you're really relentless about achieving your goals Right. Any last, like, kind of closing thoughts that you have as far as, you know, maybe mm-hmm. like, kind of like a take-home message before we uh, give people your social media and where to find you? Like, maybe, like, it can be a quote, but what's one kind of lesson or one um, value that you want everyone listening to this to take hmm, home and, that's a good and uh, really kind of, like, choose only resonate one. <laughs> yeah, I know. If, hey, man, if you got a couple, hey, go ahead and say them. I'm, I, I won't be mad at it. One, I wouldn't rate them number one or number two, but one of those would definitely be, one of those would definitely be right. All important goal for yourself, and just find the ways how you can achieve it. And to me, there's a difference between a goal mm-hmm. and a dream. Like a lot of people say, oh, my dream was to play in the NBA or my dream was to coach in the NBA or my dream was to to be somebody. Uh, to me, right. dream is something that, that you cannot achieve. It's something where, for example, now I'm thinking, oh, that would be nice to be, I don't know, to be in, in my native town or, oh, that would be nice to be in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I know it doesn't happen because it doesn't. It won't happen because I'm now in Tampa, and I cannot get mm-hmm. to Australia within one second. And so, <laughs> to me, that's a dream. But if I'm right. saying, "Oh, I want to be," let's say, "I want to be a president," of course, mm-hmm. there's there is a chance that is really small, but there's mm-hmm. still a chance. So you need to think what you need to do in order to to get to that goal. And so. If you can, instead of just dreaming, if you can set a goal and find what actions you need to do to get there, mm-hmm. then you will see how you can basically achieve anything. Right. And this, that's the most important part is, is the planning. A lot of people have that, have that wish, that goal, that dream, but a lot of people don't sit down and, and try to figure out what what they need to do to execute that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And do you know uh, Coach George Raveling? Yep. So uh, I was listening to one of his podcasts about mm. half a year ago, and just his quote stuck in my mind for for the next couple of months. It was, uh, it was something like people uh, spend a lot of time planning their vacation, but mm-hmm. they don't spend even half of this time planning their life. Wow. And so that's, we can finish up with this. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. That's, that's, yeah. I'm, I, I hope everybody listening to this writes that down. So 
where can, where can people find you, man? Like where, where are you at on social media so people can find you so they can maybe reach out to you and, uh, you know, hopefully maybe they can even uh, get some sessions in with you. Uh-huh. I would say Instagram will be the best. It's Basi, B-A-S-I underscore training. And even though right. if, if I don't respond to you within the next 24 hours, I for sure will a little bit later. I don't even remember if I responded to you right away or after one or two days. Uh, I think it was like a couple. It might have been a couple of days, uh-huh. but I can I can actually uh, I can actually attest that yes, everybody like uh-huh. Bossy is, is actually going to actually respond to you. I didn't think he was, but <laughs> he did, and uh, and he's and everything he did was was one hundred percent you know out of the kindness of his heart. So please reach out to him if you have questions. If you're in the area, if you're in the Tampa, Florida area, um, definitely come out. You know, I'll I'll post whenever he's out there. He'll post whenever he's out there, and um definitely get in contact with them but yeah other than that email is the other way and email is the same as bossy underscore training at bk.ru haven't gotten my gmail account yet <laughs> so using the, Russian, using the russian and these will be the best ones i also have facebook is the same my first name and my last name but the main platform that I post all the stuff would be on Instagram. <laughs> I didn't know you had a Facebook. <laughs> I got to add you. <laughs> yes. The to, the funny thing about Facebook, uh, so, and that's, that can also be, that's the last, last response, <laughs> the last, last question. Uh, so how, right. the reason why I had Facebook, uh, when I wanted to get to college, uh, first I, I emailed coaches, and I remember mm. I sent my first 100 emails, and I think I got maybe three responses, and two of them were, sorry, we're not interested. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, in total, I sent about, I contacted about 1,500 coaches. Uh, I emailed, I, I sent them messages on Facebook, I called, but the thing was, after I emailed about 400 schools, I was thinking, hmm, if about 500 messages were not, I didn't get any response from these people, probably, maybe mm-hmm. they didn't see it. I just didn't even think about, maybe they just not interested. Until I got no in the answer, I would think that mm-hmm. the person probably just didn't see my message. And so I thought, hmm, <laughs> maybe Facebook will be the way. <laughs> And this, this is why I got the Facebook, and I just used it as kind of, at that time, so I was messaging all the coaches around 2011, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if Instagram was was on at that time, but for sure not mm-hmm. that popular if it was. Uh, Facebook was the thing, and so I used Facebook kind of like an Instagram where I would post some of the videos of my own training, some of my game highlights. And then I would just mm-hmm. find the coaches and reach them out on Facebook, probably. Some of them were like, oh, that's him again. Oh. <laughs> but until I had this my guy. no, I would, I would keep messaging <laughs> because I would think he <laughs> didn't see it. So this is why, <laughs> why now I don't – I try to post on Facebook every now and then, but not as often as on mm-hmm. Instagram just because I'm not trying to play college basketball no more. And so mm-hmm. now I can take it easy on Facebook. 
that's hilarious, man. That's just that's, that's just persistence, man. But man, I'm gonna let you go. I know, I know, we've been on here for like about an hour now. But thank you so much for taking the time out, man. And um, yeah, you're welcome. I really appreciate. Yeah, man. I hope everybody listening has got some some great value, man. Till next time, man. Thank you, Xavier. Thank you for listening to the Basketball and Barbells podcast. I really hope you all got major value from today's episode. Please leave a rating and review of the show, and don't forget to tune in to the next episode.